namo tassa bhagavato varahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato varahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato varahato samma samputassa buddhang dhammang sangkang namasami itto parang sakacang tamo sota bodhi homage to the blessed one the noble one the perfectly self-awakened one. May all of you set your hearts on listening to the Dhamma. So it's the 17th of December 2022 today. It's the eighth day of our practicing together on this online retreat starting on the 10th of December. So it's the eighth day of practicing this eightfold noble path which has Samaditi, or right view, as its leader. <coughs> and so we're guided by this right view. So for us, even though we may live thousands of kilometers away, but it's like we're close, and we're close by practicing together, and this Dharma can spread out to all of you. So when I first ordained, it was about 50 years ago now, and it wasn't easy to listen to the Dhamma then. You had to travel to the monasteries of these awakened teachers to get that opportunity. And if when one arrived it wasn't the time that that teacher was teaching, then we wouldn't be able to listen to their talk. And what Nombapong, Venerable Ajahn Chah's monastery, during some years, it would be uh, very long between each Dharma talk that he wouldn't teach frequently. But now we have these various forms of media which make it easier if we have faith, if we have belief. Then we can use our time in a way that gives rise to benefit. So we can see that this year there's not much time left. It's very close to the end of the year. And we should contemplate that the days and the nights, they steadily pass by. So what are we doing right now? What are we doing with our lives? That if people have faith, then they will seek out a path that will give peace to their hearts that they will seek out ways to develop goodness. They will have this firm foundation of sila, dhamma. So there's both sila, this morality, and dhamma. So we keep these five precepts. And the first of these is about, sorry, all of these are about not harming any beings, not harming animals, not harming people. So these are prohibitions that we take up which uh, prevent us from doing any evil or unskillful things. These are things that we put down. And a quality that aids us in this uh, is that of kindness. And there's also compassion as well. So we have this kindness, compassion for all beings. And then we don't wish to harm any being. 
We don't wish to take the life of any being. Also, for us, it's normal that we spend time seeking out wealth for ourselves. It's also normal that when we gain this, we'll attach to that. And that's not wrong, as long as it's in the bounds of ethics or morality. But for those people who have much greed, uh, they'll want to get wealth very quickly, and to the point where they desire to steal the wealth of others, taking it as their own. And even if we just have thoughts of doing this, then that's not correct. But if these days people act uh, on this, acting on their greed and use online means to do that, to trick others out of their wealth, to swindle. So people can use this technology, use online mediums in this way. So we see that the world is developed, but it's not just good things that get developed. And if people don't have this moral integrity, then they can use that to create bad deeds. For us, however, we give our things. We give the things that we gain to others. And when we give our own possessions to others, then we're not going to want to take other people's possessions as our own. Because by doing that, we'll create suffering. We know that that's not correct. We're established in these precepts, in this morality. So we take up these, uh, these precepts, which kind of prevent us from doing these bad deeds. And we also don't harm other people's loved ones. Don't try to take them as ours either, because that's not good. We need to have this truth and be able to be trustworthy for one another. And if we do so, then our families will be happy and peaceful. So we don't do any of these actions uh, which cause harm, keeping the sila firmly embedded in the heart. And then there's the fourth precept, that of not speaking any falsehood. So we don't say anything that's not true. We don't say anything that's malicious or harsh. We don't engage in idle chatter. Because if we do these things, then they'll bring a lot of harm and damage. And that's all they bring, is damage. So we need to be truthful and have kindness. Because we wish for truth. And the things that we desire, other people desire them just the same. So seeing that, we don't engage in falsehood. But we establish ourselves in this moral integrity instead. Then there's the fifth precept, that of refraining from taking drugs or intoxicants. 
And these are things which destroy our mindfulness and wisdom. Because what we're doing is trying to develop this wisdom to the point where we gain knowledge that's able to fix our suffering. And as we practice, this steadily grows. But it's not the case that we can start practicing and we're able to attain to the Dhamma right then. We're able to see how all physical and mental things are not self. And the mind reaches purity and freedom. It doesn't just happen immediately. But we need to steadily grow these qualities. We need the wisdom um, to a sufficient degree that allows us to see the Dhamma. And when we see the Dhamma, then there's no eighth life. And within that uh, time frame, then we'll be able to attain to the Dhamma. But while we're still walking this path, then sometimes we can gain this clarity and sometimes not. Sometimes we have samadhi and sometimes we don't. We try to grow these qualities. So like when we're sitting or doing walking meditation during this online retreat, then our samadhi grows. But when we go out to work, then maybe that will drop. And then when the samadhi decreases, then this wisdom doesn't arise. But we need to endure with that and make sure that we don't get intoxicated on anything. We don't drink alcohol. Because for this practice, we need a brain that's functioning well in order for us to develop mindfulness and samadhi. So it's just like when someone's driving a car. If they're drunk, then that's extremely dangerous. That may well result in them destroying their own life and destroying other people's lives and many other things as well. So there are many people who do that. But for us, if we um, drink, then the mindfulness that we have reduces. And when that happens, um, then dangerous things can occur. We may be driving a car and just our mindfulness just um, goes off for a bit, and then we crash, and then we die. And nowadays we also have this technology. We have devices or Google that helps to tell us the way, but that too can be dangerous. So we need to be mindful in our use of these uh, technological devices. So we try to give up um, this drinking and being drunk on various things, coming to train our minds. So right now we're listening to the Dhamma, and perhaps we don't understand the language that's been spoken. But what you should be doing is being aware of the breath. And while the Dharma talk has been given in Thai, then the Dharma is flowing just the same. There's still the stream of the Dharma. And perhaps you don't understand that, but that flow of the Dharma it doesn't have a language. So maybe 
you don't understand it on kind of a coarser level, but you may get a feeling of the Dhamma. There may be a deeper understanding that happens, even though you don't understand the language. It can be a fullness, a joy that arises within the heart. So during the time of the Buddha, there was an occasion when he was teaching and there was a toad that was listening to the talk. And the sound was kind of flowing in. And the toad had experienced that, received that sound, and felt this inner contentment and happiness, and felt this peace. So it's one kind of energy. So therefore, when we listen, if we don't understand what's being said, we shouldn't worry about that. But having this foundation of morality, then we work on developing our minds, raising them up higher, raising them to purity, raising them to freedom. So we can ask ourselves, what good deeds have we done throughout this life so far? And some people, they create this merit every day. They make offerings each day. Some people do it most days. And occasionally we may go to offer robes, go to a katina ceremony, help to build uh, dwellings for the monastery, help to uh, build a whole monastery. So we do these things. We give in this way. And also if we have knowledge, special skills, then we can offer those as well. So just like this retreat, that it's come about due to various people offering their skills and their knowledge. And there are many different groups, many different teams involved in this retreat. What they're giving is their knowledge and they're also giving their time as well helping people from all over the world to be able to receive the Dhamma. So giving in this way, creating merits like this, this brings a lot of benefit. And why is that? It's because the flavor of the Dhamma, it surpasses all other flavors. Even the most delicious food in this world We just taste that for a short time. And we eat that food and in a long time it's gone. So we may hear that there's this restaurant over here or there, you know, that the food is really good. There may be very famous restaurants in our country or famous internationally that are renowned for having very delicious food. But as soon as that food passes our tongue, and that doesn't taste, that doesn't take a long time, then that feeling of deliciousness is gone already. But the Dhamma, it goes deep, it goes into our hearts. So the enjoyment or the deliciousness that we gain from forms or from sounds or uh, taste, um, smell, touch, objects that arise in the mind. These are inconstant, 
they're changing, they don't last for long. And even the most delicious food, once that goes into the stomach, it doesn't have any value. And what's it like when it comes out the other end? We have no desire to eat it anymore. So is it really delicious? And if we're full, then we won't feel like that food is delicious anymore. Why is that? It's because we're full already. There's no desire to eat it. So therefore, the flavor of the Dhamma surpasses all other flavors. Because it gives us a fullness of heart, a happiness of heart. And if we've seen the nature of the Dhamma, if we've seen physicality and mentality as anicca, dukkha, anatta, then this contentment and fullness of heart is incredible. It's really amazing at this point. And we could never even imagine how that would be. So for myself, I was practicing before, just like all of you are now. I was really sincere in practicing the Dharma, listening to Dharma talks. I would keep the five precepts and then the eight precepts on some days. But also I had many moods in my mind. And there was suffering there too, due to my attachments. But having practice for a while and listening to the Dhamma, it went in deep. I could see all things as being empty and this great fullness arose within my heart. So this deep being touched by the Dhamma that lasted for days and nights, this clarity, this understanding. So therefore our practice of the Dhamma gives immense benefit more than, or our meditation gives more than that of being virtuous and being generous. So if we just experience a small amount of samadhi, we gain this feeling within our heart. Now we realize that, ah, oh, that this is the peace, this is the kind of happiness that comes from a mind that is collected and well established. And it's something that we've never experienced before. And this is also something that develops into wisdom. It's insights into physical and mental things, how they change according to nature. It's however it is. It's something that's really important in the way that we live our lives and supporting our lives is this quality of metta, of loving-kindness. Having this kindness towards one another so we have this quality, this Dhamma of kindness, the Dhamma of Karuna, of compassion. It's also the Dhamma of Mudita, of sympathetic joy, and of Upeka, it's equanimity as well. But equanimity is something that's quite difficult to give rise to. We need a mind that's really peaceful in samadhi for that to come up. Or we need wisdom for it to come up in order for us to let go. But if we can do, do this just once, then the value that comes from that is immense. The merit that arises from that is great. But we still have this 
sense of self. So the Buddha taught us to use that to be generous and virtuous and to meditate as well, to abandon unskillful things, give rise to skillfulness and merit. And we do this all throughout the year, giving rise to goodness, giving rise to wholesome deeds. But sometimes the defilements, they overcome the mind as well. And they work to destroy the maga, this path. So therefore there's a fight which is happening in the mind. So there's this fight that's happening in the heart. The kilesas, the defilements, they come up. And then they push the mind into creating kama. From this kama there's vipaka kama, the results of that kama. And then that, in turn, pushes the mind into more defilements, which then gives rise to kama. So there's the cycle that's going around like this. There's the kama vata, the cycle of kama, the vipaka vata, the cycle of vipaka kama, and the kilesa vata, the cycle of the defilements. <coughs> so really it's the cycle of sangsara that takes our life around and around, into this life, and then the next, and then the next. And it doesn't stop, it goes on without end. So what do we do then? Well, we practice sila, samadhi, and panya, this virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. So we need to walk this way, practice in line with this, giving rise to energy in the mind so that we're able to defeat these defilements and reach emptiness. And then we see clearly that this path is the way that will take us to seeing the Dhamma. So therefore what we need to do now is try to give rise to samadhi and try to develop that a lot. For the most part, uh, the people who have come together to practice in the retreat are adults. For children, they still have to study and then go off to work. And there are certain qualities that give us success in those activities. We need to be sincere in what we're doing. We need to contemplate and to be focused on what we're doing as well. So contemplate with wisdom. So when we are (coughs) working or we're studying, then we need to contemplate what we're doing. We need to investigate that as well. What's that like? What are we doing? And now we're listening to this talk. But if we try to contemplate and our mindfulness and our wisdom is not yet stable, then this can give rise to restlessness of mind. And then wisdom doesn't come up. So therefore we need to bring the mind to stillness and peace first. 
So while listening, you can be aware of the breath as well. And also listen to the Dhamma alongside that. Bringing the mind to stillness, <coughs> gaining this stream, this flow of the Dhamma, and practicing, developing the mind along with that. And as you do that, as you listen to this flow of the Dhamma while staying with your meditation object, then the problems that you experience will uh, go. The doubts that you have will fade. And the mind will gain a joy and a clarity. So just like Anya Kondanya, he <coughs> listened to the Dhamma with a still mind. And then he was, could contemplate into that and see the truth of the Buddha's teaching, see into the Dhamma. For Venerable Sariputta, it was the same, that he inclined his mind towards the Dhamma that he heard from Venerable Asaji, and he could see the Dhamma then. And then when the Buddha taught him, then he gained arahantship. And also with Anandapindaka, that he had such great faith. And all he had to hear was the name Buddha, and joy arose in his heart throughout the entire night. And in the early morning, he went off to pay respects to the Buddha. He was very generous, established in virtue, and this gave him the happiness of heaven. This is what the Buddha taught him. And then he taught about bringing the mind to peace, seeing the drawbacks of a mind which is scattered. So taking up the brahmacharya, the holy life, one doesn't need to ordain. But what that means is a heart which is practicing the Dhamma. So just like now, we're practicing the Dhamma, we're listening to the Dhamma, and our mind is still and peaceful through that. And so therefore we're practicing the Dhamma, and right now our minds have taken up the holy life. So this gives rise to wisdom, gives rise to this insight into the Dhamma, and we're able to destroy the things which bind our hearts. So even though we may live in a family, we may have a husband, a wife, or children, we're still able to do this. We don't have to throw all of these things away. But we need to be well established in virtue, in morality. Having this wisdom that arises, we can see the Dhamma then. So therefore we need to have virtue as our foundation. This is something that supports us. If we have this, then we won't be lacking in our lives, our future lives. Things will be complete for us. And when they're complete in that way, we have a good opportunity to cultivate goodness again. So there are these good things that we've done all throughout the year, the ways that we have put down um, unskillful deeds or states, trying to develop our minds meditation that we've done all throughout this year. So it's close to the end of the year, 
now. But as we carry on practicing in this way, training ourselves, growing the mind, giving rise to more and more kindness, then the mind becomes more complete with these qualities. It fills up with these qualities. And then there's joy that grows in the heart as well. Our samadhi becomes better, our mindfulness grows, and then wisdom can arise. We also have kindness for one another, compassion for one another. So this compassion, it's the thought of helping beings who are suffering. Metta is the wish for beings to be happy. When there's karuna that comes up, then we help others in line with our energy, with our abilities. So the Buddha had boundless compassion. He just couldn't find a limit or an end to that. And this was a virtue, a spiritual virtue that he cultivated during his practice as a bodhisattva, and something that really wasn't easy to do. So therefore, for us, we should practice following the Buddha, having kindness and compassion. Also training the mind in this quality of mudita, the sympathetic joy as well. So we find happiness in the gains and the good fortune, the happiness of others. And we can express that as well. So just like we give our good wishes on people's birthdays, or if they've graduated, or if they're unwell, then we wish for them to get well soon. So we express the happiness that we find in that. We have this heart of mudita. So we train to give rise to this in the hearts. Because, and this um, can cut out jealousy from them. Because when we gain good things, then we wish for others to be happy. We don't want for other people to be jealous of us. We also don't work to increase the suffering of other people. We have this quality of upeka as well, equanimity. So we try to keep these qualities of kindness and compassion constantly there within our minds, training our minds, having them firmly established in sila and virtue. And this all helps to bring the mind to peace, to cultivate samadhi, so that wisdom can arise. And in the end we'll know the Dhamma, see the Dhamma without difficulty. So it's close to the end of the year now. And beginning the new year, we should set our hearts anew as well. The things that we have done wrong, there may be some of these, we can kind of set our hearts anew with regard to those, to not repeating those actions, establish ourselves in goodness. And so may all of you prosper in this new year, 2023. May you all gain success both in the world and in the Dhamma as well. And may all of you grow in blessings. <laughs>